Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Eruk the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. This week we're talking about the intersection between tech companies and the OECD's new global 15% minimum tax. And Ireland, as you know, is a holdout. We are very reluctant to give up that tax rate. Are we right? Are we wrong? Is it going to go in the long term? I'm here to discuss very generally the issues involved with Emmett Oliver, who's a journalist and a communications advisor and lecturer at the UCD Lachlan Quinn School of Business, and Sarah Collins, business reporter for the Irish Independent. Emmett, if I could just start with you. Um, You used to work for the IDA. You've had an illustrious career, former editor of the Business Post, formerly with the INDOP, but also with the IDA. Um, how central was our tax rate to big companies, big tech companies coming into Ireland? Um, pretty central. I mean, I wouldn't say it's the only thing we ever put on the table. Um, and I know people kind of think that's a bit hackneyed and sort of say, oh, it is only tax. Uh, but, you know, I've been in decent meetings with a lot of big companies. I've been there when they've literally kind of signed off on deals to invest. And a lot of stuff is pretty routine, prosaic stuff. Can we get a property? Can we get a reliable water supply? Is it connected to the national grid? It doesn't make for headlines, but that is often you know what's at the heart of the, the discussions. Of course, tax is important. Um, and the 12.5% is a brand, is a tax brand. Um, the fact that we just, ha- we rat- all three of us involved in this podcast just rattle off 12.5%. You know, can anyone rattle mm. off Slovenia's tax rate or rattle off Sweden's, right? No. So it has become a tax brand. And does that mean it's it's a good thing? It doesn't mean that that, that alone, um, you know, means it has a purpose and a defense? Not necessarily. But if you're asking me what's going to happen here, I think um, Pascal Donahue will have to wave the white flag at some stage. Um, I noticed there's some stories leaking out that that decision has already been made. Um, I think it's disappointing if that's the way they do it. But I think they should make a virtue of giving it up. They should retool and repurpose Ireland's FDI offering. And, you know, essentially look at our business model. How sustainable is it? It needs to be reformed altered and changed and reshaped that's fine it happens every few decades we've done it before we can do it again i don't think we need to be scared that we have to necessarily get rid of the 12 and a half percent but i think um if i could just add one thing on to all of this is um, a story that you've been covering in particular i think is actually a bigger danger to our um fdi model and that's the idea of the physical office um, changing and i know you've reported on the facebook decision for example of allowing mm. some of its workers to work from overseas locations to me that would actually be possibly a bigger threat than the tax piece because the whole offering that ireland puts out there is to physically locate workers in one hub bring them from all different locations multiple languages 
different cultures, bringing them all together to have a great time living in Dublin, living in the Docklands and so on. That's what we're currently selling, whatever it was back in the 70s or 80s. And to me, that's going to be a bigger threat. But I do think to answer your question in a very long roundabout way, I do think the 12.5% is on borrowed time. Hmm. Okay, interesting. There's a lot of things I could add to that. But for example, I'm not so sure that there's going to be a huge migration to other European countries simply because talking to a lot of these big tech companies, they are kind of control freakish. They do like to have people in the same uh, campus for a reason. That's why Facebook are going ahead with their giant new campus across the road from the RDS. Google, Apple, Apple are particularly bullish on that point, but that's a, a different podcast. Sarah, um, there is strong feeling in Europe about this tax rate. There has been for a while, isn't there? How much of it is based in the idea of equity and the principle of fairness taxation? And how much do you think is based on pretty narrow self-interest from you know the French, the Germans, etc.? I think it's a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. I mean, there has been, I, I remember um, Michael McGrath saying recently that he thought that a lot of other countries were jealous of Ireland's success. And I do think there's an element of truth to that. There's that infamous story I remember from during a, a European summit many years ago when um, the former French president, Nicolas Sarkozy, slammed his fist on the table, insisting Ireland increase its corporate tax rate in order to get EU bailout funds. So there's definitely an element of that. Um, the fairness thing is huge. There are many, especially after the pandemic, and you'll hear the EU saying this more and more, that People want to see corporations pay their fair share. And especially if your aim after the pandemic is to make more revenue, it's kind of a no-brainer that you need to increase taxes. Um, I think um, within the EU, like there is there is an understanding of where Ireland is coming from. And I think people do want a slice of that pie as well, for sure. Um, but I think more importantly for them at the moment is just how do we raise revenues? And this is one of the ways that they want to do it. Yeah, I mean, do you think they can see Pascal's objection and Ireland's objection here? I mean, obviously, from a shallow perspective, they can. Ireland gets a lot of money this way. It's a calling card. Um, as Emmett said, it's a brand for us that we have this 12.5% uh, tax rate. Um but on the other hand, you know, you've some of these countries, France, Germany, and the others, these are the richest, let's be honest, the most pleasant places to live in the world. They've built up these fantastic uh, infrastructure, these fantastic uh, cities. We can't really compete with their lifestyle, the lifestyle opportunities uh, they offer. I mean, you see this in, in the States as well. The reason that San Francisco and Seattle are the tech hubs in the US over the likes of Chicago or Atlanta or Houston, which are bigger cities, is because they're beautiful places to hang out. They've got beautiful climates. Who would, and you see that in Europe as well. The big tech hubs with all the unicorns are coming through. Paris, London, Berlin, Stockholm, even Portugal has five unicorns now, billion dollar private companies. What do we have? I mean, what does Ireland have? So, Nobody will be honest and say this from the Irish side, but sh I'm wondering from the European side, do you get any sense of what the motivation is in Ireland other than just to protect a lower tax rate? I don't think they can see 
the argument, actually, because they see Ireland as a very rich country now. I think they could see it 30 years ago or 20 years ago, you know, that it's fair if you're on the up and you're trying to kind of make Ireland Inc. happen that a low tax rate is okay. So you won't hear them, for instance, you know, talking about Bulgaria, which is a very low tax rate. You won't hear the Mm. same sorts of arguments because they just don't view it as necessary anymore. They don't it's it's a fundamental belief in Europe um, that Ireland, I mean, a lot of MEPs have, have written this in reports. They view Ireland as a tax haven by another name. Um, so there's very little sympathy for the low rate. I think even, you know, the gesture of raising the rate even a tiny bit, would it might satisfy some in Europe. Um, but the reality is that a lot of other countries have a lot of tax loopholes that just because the headline rate is high, it may not be the set, the, fa- the, the, the companies may not be paying that headline rate all of the time. So a lot will depend. And this is where the OECD deal is crucial. This is where the, the detail, the devil in the detail will be. What are we actually going to be paying 15% on? What are corporates mm. going to be uh, taxed on? This is yeah. massive. Yeah, indeed, Emmett. I mean, I heard Seamus Coffey, the UCC economist on the radio, making the point that this looks like it's not going to affect zero tax jurisdiction. So it's not going to affect Bermuda or some of the offshore islands. Um, it will be very funny in one way if Pascal turned around and said, right, well, our new rate is 0%. Um, obviously, that's not going to happen. And actually, that shouldn't happen. That would be a cynical uh, move and it, that would be unfair. But um, do you? What do you think is going to happen here? You you've said that you think that we will end up waving the white flag. But do you think that will lead to fewer multinationals actually coming here? Um, I would sort of um, break it into two. Uh, you've obviously got the multinationals who are currently here, and you've got those to come in the future. I think the ones that are here are pretty well embedded. They've got physical capital in the ground. They've got managers living here. They've got staff. I mean, you can't just rip up an Intel plant, as you would know, a fab and head off somewhere else. You can do it, but it's going to be very expensive and take a long time. Um, equally, for a lot of the pharma companies, they are producing drugs. You know, they're, they're, they put a lot of capital investment in that they're not going to move. Getting the new ones is, is I suppose, a slightly different game. But I, I, would slightly, um, I would slightly question what you're saying about these beautiful places. Now, obviously, Paris is a very beautiful place. Uh, Rome is a very beautiful place. But I think when companies come to make the decision... There are other things in play. So when we use things like business friendly, you know, how easy can you set up a company does matter? How easily can you get staff does matter? And the the, the red tape and the kind of pro-enterprise sort of feeling of a location actually does matter. Now, if you look at the Gilets Jaunes well, movement. How do you, yeah, but how do you explain California then? California is buried under red tape. It has the highest rents and property prices in the world. It got pretty terrible uh, social problems as well. Yeah, but, but you can still, they still have that American hire and fire culture. I mean, you can hire people and they're gone a week later. But they have, you, know, you can't they, do that in France. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I take your point. Um, I'm not saying, and, I'm just saying, I'm just saying for, you have to look at it from a big multinational company's perspective, which is different to the rest of us, you know. Well, I heard Mark Redmond on the radio, who is from the Irish American Chamber. He puts forward the American multinationals view here in Ireland, essentially. And he said that one of the biggest criteria for companies in deciding where to locate is where their staff will want to live. 
I mean, that's the, and I, I do hear a little bit of that from companies here. The biggest complaint I hear from uh, Google workers who have come from abroad to work in Google in Dublin is that the public transport's not great or, you know, the infrastructure isn't great. And, uh, and that does resonate. That's the reason why some of them don't put routes down here like they would maybe in London, for example. Now, there's no tube, there's no... Um, well, Adrian, you know, do, you, do you ever remember a time in Ireland when their infrastructure was good or our physical transport was brilliant or best in class, right? So we've always... No, we've but always this is my public, point. We've always this is been, my point. Yeah. We, we had a 12.5% tax rate to sweeten the deal. Now, if you look, I don't know what your view about this um, it would be, but in terms of the low tax rate, to me, it strikes me that it has been attractive at different levels to different companies at different times. The first big wave that came here, the IBMs, Definitely Apple, because they had no money. Mm. Uh, and you'd say Microsoft as well. It was really important to them, mm. or really important. The second big wave on the website, the Googles and the Facebooks, um, it was pretty important to them. Mm. Um, and then the third wave, like the Airbnbs and those guys, it was, to me, it talking to them, it's a, it was a bonus. Half of them weren't even making a profit. I mean, this is the other side. I talked to some of these companies, the mid-tier companies, the, uh, as you will know, a, mm. lot, the, a lot of the, um, the bread that's buttered for the IDA is not in the giant companies, but it's the mm. small and mid-tier companies that the Zendesks and mm. the Airbnbs that come over. Half of them don't make a profit. The mm. idea of a tax rate isn't actually relevant to them and won't be for four or five years because they're privately funded. Maybe, maybe they're uh, unicorns, but... The, the impression I get, I get is that the tax rate now is a bonus that it's 12.5%, but it's not actually the core thing they're talking about, unless I've just drunk the Kool-Aid here. No, and I think I think also it has to be recognised that the, the cleaning up of the Irish tax offering has been going on for quite a few years. I mean, stateless companies, when that was outlawed, that was a big thing under Michael Noonan, which kind of nobody really writes about now, but it was a big mm. deal. And the double Irish was closed down. I know it was grandfathered in, etc., but so the Irish government has been kind of cleaning up the toxic element of the offering a little bit and, and kind of making it a bit cleaner and more socially and politically acceptable. Now, this is obviously the final, the 12.5% is like the final wave. But uh, to get back to what Sarah was saying, I'm, I'm sure the Irish government is probably saying where we've come from 10 years ago to what we're offering now is they're totally chalk and cheese. So there's probably a little bit of an element of, you know, what else does Europe want us to do after the 12? Like, that's kind of it. The, 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 the kitty is empty. And if French and, and German companies are not winning all this U.S. investment, there'll probably be a certain sense from the Irish government like, well, you kind of took away a lot of our weapons. So, you know, all is fair in love and war from here on in. And that's mm. where your point comes in is what are these other things that can, as you call it, sweeten the deal? Um, each company is different, but I think if the if the kind of um, social acceptability or political acceptability moves for all the companies, once you're not paying a lower tax burden or a higher tax burden than your rival is more important than what you're paying. So all of these things are judged within their sector. So if Salesforce is in line with other companies in its peer group, it's probably less worried about it. It's can you move them all together? Um, so if Apple's effective tax rate is the same as Samsung's, that's far more important than whether Apple is paying more or less than an IBM. So you tend to look at companies like you and say, yeah, we're kind of in there with our peers. So we're not we're not we're not doing anything wrong here. So I think that's getting back to your point. A lot of them aren't profitable for a good few years. 
But equally, I suppose, you know, that's what their ultimate destination is. So they want to be in the right place to make sure they can take advantage of, as, as Sarah mentioned, loopholes and write downs that are available, you know. But mm. we, we are a little bit obsessed. And I know your your podcast is about the tech world. But, you know, the pharma piece is huge as well for Ireland, the, the pharma and med tech piece. So, you know, they have a slightly different take on this thing because they, they don't have that kind of fast growth kind of model that the tech companies have. But I'd watch them as well because they 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 um they've got a lot of intellectual property as well. They've also got a lot of um, drug discovery things they could write off against tax. So they're also big employers. So there there is something beyond just the tech sector here to keep an eye on. Yeah, I guess we've had a good run with those guys as well. And some of those that I speak to, sometimes they say that the reason they're establishing. Uh, a base here, uh, same as the tech companies, it's literally to hire from company X. It, we we want to set up something here and we actually need those people. Therefore, kind of wearing here. So I just want to go back to something that you kind of alluded to earlier on. And this, uh, you know, within Europe, is there an argument that um, European states associate, for example, the tech boom with companies like Google and Facebook and that they hate these companies. They hate them. And they see those companies and the rise of low tax um, uh, locations like Ireland as sort of in the same boat, but they're tearing themselves apart internally because on the one hand, they want to be part of this booming new industry. On the other hand, they culturally really are doing it through gritted teeth because they don't like GAFA. They don't like Amazon and Facebook and Google and, you know, and all of the others. Um, So, like, how should we feel about that? Are they just crying now about the wealth that they've missed out on through not embracing uh, tech companies? And do you think that they, do you get a sense that they want to do so in future? Yeah, there is definitely an element of wanting to court companies to come to those countries, but it's more that they want their own Facebooks and Googles and everything, which is why, I mean, it's a story for another day, but which is why the French have always been pushing this kind of more protectionist EU industrial policy. Um, but They have they have a, a, a search engine called Quant, I think it's called. Yes. I've used it. It's, it's a bit like DuckDuckGo. It's kind of crap. Now, <laughs> look, it, it's, it's, it's good for privacy because yeah. it doesn't track you around the place. But on the other hand, because it doesn't track you and doesn't know who you yeah. are, the results you get are not great. Um, I remember Minitel. You're not old enough to remember Minitel. Emmett, you might be old enough to remember <laughs> Minitel uh, back in the day. Do you remember I'm that? I'm still dealing with Bing, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Bing's not not great either. But, but you know, on a serious note, like Europe does have some world-class companies. Patrick Collison wrote a, a letter to The Economist a few weeks back pointing out uh, and contradicting a piece that they had written saying that Europe isn't interested in innovation. This is the other side of the coin. We do, uh, we've these huge companies, we've Revolut, we've uh, Spotify, we've got an awful lot of big, big uh, uh, high-growth unicorns and tech companies. But in terms of the, the culture, the you do still get the sense that it's kind of disapproved of, that we're about something else on this continent, not all that Silicon Valley nonsense. There is definitely an element of that. I mean, don't be fooled. This tax, corporate tax drive is all about tech. We're not saying it anymore. 
it's not targeting digital companies anymore, but it is all about the big, the top 100 tech companies. And if you ever listen to the French um, finance minister, Bruno Le Maire, he's always talking about Amazon. He just mm. wants Amazon to be taxed. And that's where he's at. And, it, it, you know, where where the OECD comes in, they, I mean, they have taken out all references to digital companies in their kind of tax plan, but it's this is where it all started. It started, I mean, 30 years ago, you know, when people were talking about how do we how do we deal with this business that is the internet? It's unlike anything. We shouldn't tax it. And we're still humming and hawing about it um, because what, what the French especially see as completely unfair is that you can have, um, you can be incorporated in Ireland, make loads of sales in France, maybe like the most out of all of Europe, but you don't pay any taxes there. And that, mm. that's the infuriating thing, I think, for the... For the it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um, I do wonder, though, if Amazon, say, and Google were French, do you think they'd be protecting them a bit more? <laughs> well, absolutely. Would we be having this with the same tone of conversation? Absolutely, because, I mean, you don't... when. When we're talking about corporate taxes, you don't hear countries talking about taxing their own multinationals no. or their own domestic companies. And I mean, you know, in Ireland's case, the 12.5% rate is really important for domestic companies as well. We keep talking about, you know, large foreign corporations. But as you said, Adrian, for a lot of them, it doesn't really matter. They have the means to pay. But if we were to raise our corporate tax rate, that would affect everybody. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um Guys, thanks so much for coming on this podcast. Uh, this is has a long way to run, or at least another few weeks. And uh, I think uh, it's going to be a, a seismic uh, thing for Ireland, no matter what happens. So that was uh, Emmett Oliver, uh, Communications Advisor and Lecturer at the UCD Lachlan Quinn School of Business, and Sarah Collins, Business Reporter at the Irish Independent. And that's all we have time for this week. I'm Adrian Weckler, Tech Editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. We'll talk to you same time next week. Bye-bye. 